What's going on, everyone? Hope you're all enjoying the holidays. It's been a couple of days without college basketball, but we are here to get you back up to speed, help you get your fix this time of year. For CFC, things are going to ramp up in a hurry. Conference play begins tomorrow, and the Cougars are playing on the road at Drexel Saturday afternoon and then at Delaware on Monday night. It is very exciting for me because I get to go to both of those games. Since the Cougars are kicking off CAA play against the Drexel Dragons, I could not think of a better guest to have on for the first time, Dan Crane of the Drexel Dragons fan site, alwaysadragon.com. You can also follow Dan on Twitter at dcrane underscore aad. If you recall last season, the Cougars played two crazy games against the Dragons, and then they met in the first round of the CAA tournament. Expecting nothing less on Saturday, it should be a great game. And since Dan is already on, we're also going to talk about the CAA in general. So everyone has wrapped up non-conference play at this point, and we're going to chat what has stood out to us from that half of the season, players, teams, we're going to try to do some power rankings. It's really hard to break down this conference so far, but we're going to take a stab at it. Then after that, we're going to preview the game, have our predictions, uh, talk a little trash. It should be fun. Make sure you check out alwaysadragon.com. I know they're going to have some CAA previews dropping soon. And you should also visit our site, holycityhoops.com. Our pal Joe Wright has some great articles up on there. I've written about some recent games as well. Make sure to follow us on social. I'll try to share with you all what is going on with the team as they take to the road. You all know the drill. Follow us. Subscribe to this podcast. Visit HolyCityHoops.com. Join the conversation with us. College basketball season is really going to kick into the gear, and we hope you'll join us for the ride. Up next, Dan Crane of AlwaysADragon.com. Hope you all enjoy. All right, I'm very pleased to welcome in CAA Hoops frenemy, Dan Crane. Dan, what's going on, man? How's it going tonight? I'm all right. I'm, I'm gearing up for a trip up to Philly for this Drexel CFC game. Anything I should know uh, going into the DAC? People love Philly fans. Come on in. Uh, water's worth more. <laughs> nah, it's a, it should be a good environment. Um, well, Christmas break, so it'll be a little quiet, but it should be a good game. We'll go for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way these teams met up in their regular season games last year, it was uh, it came down to the wire every time. And I know the for me, at least, I do not forget Drexel snapping Charleston's home win streak last year. So uh, I will be rooting for my team, unfortunately. But thanks for, for coming on anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, come on anyway. Yes. And uh, I think the last two times Drexel's been in the tournament, their, their final game was being against Charleston. So we have a little IOU, I think, oh. uh, sitting out there as well. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good uh, stat piece there. Uh, well, I want to definitely preview that game, but as we are on the eve of, of conference play, and you know the CAA as, as well as anyone, I figured we could bounce some thoughts off one another, see where the CAA is at this point, uh, wrapping up non-conference play, headed into conference play, which teams stand out, which players stand out. I know that I have not been able to really make sense of this conference because the strength of schedule varied so much between these teams just right off the top. Do you have any confidence in picking like a pecking order at this point? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and I know there's people <laughs> with top twos, top threes, top fours. I'm using out of conference play as barometer, but I think there's, there's going to be some changes come conference play. And I also think that we, uh, we do tend to underrate seniority uh, this time of year. So I, I like the, the more experienced teams probably when, when what feels like a mess of a conference and the teams that have had guys in the system for a number of years. So, um, 
you know, uh, Charleston's a great example of that. I, I like that you're you're basing it off seniority. I think that's a good barometer as well. Um, I'm trying to use Northeastern. I've said this on the last couple of podcasts. They always schedule tough, and it always seemed like they would come into conference play with a substandard record, but then just immediately take off. So a team like that, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it is hard because I, I do feel like this conference is sort of a mess at this point as well. But overall first impressions, if you were to do your top two, top four, top six teams, I mean, where are you going with that? You're cheating. Cause I'm, I'm writing that up uh, tonight, tomorrow, but uh, preview, I think sneak preview. <laughs> yeah, I knew. I know. I like Charleston. I, I think I'm going to be the guy. Um, and this is rare for me, but liking Towson more than most. Okay. Uh, I think that's an interesting team that not a lot of people are talking about. Their their schedule has not been exciting necessarily, um, but they beat the teams that they should beat. Um, I think all of their losses are top 100 except for the game at uh, the neutral side game against Buffalo. So, you know, they're kind of in the CAA where there isn't going to be a top 100 team. That's not a bad place to be. Um, and again, they are a fairly experienced team. Brian Fobbs has been running out there for a while now. Dennis Dunstall is still still around. So. They've got, they've got, I think, an ability to make some noise and, and nobody seems to be talking about them. I have them in my top. I, I think there's a clear top six right now that we probably match up with pretty well. Um, and I have Towson in there. Um, I agree. I, the, the losses aren't too bad. Bob's has been great. They played, they played Florida close. Florida kind of turned out to be a little bit of a paper tiger, maybe not as good as people thought, but um uh, after a rough start, Towson, I think they lost like four of their first five D1 games, has, has looked okay. And and like you said, winning the games you're supposed to win is not the worst thing because I think just about everybody has some bad losses. Do you have them number one? Is that your number one team? Uh, honestly, I, I, I hate to do this to you. I'd probably go with Charleston. And I know that's, uh, that's a tough pick uh, right now because I could see them falling on their face tomorrow. We'll, we'll really get ahead. <laughs> but yeah, it's nobody's... People are going to want... Hofstra Northeastern, and, and I get it. For me, Northeastern doesn't really defend particularly well, um, and, and that's really goes to the post play. They don't they don't really have any. You know, they've got some really outstanding guards. Jordan Rowland is going to be a competitor for for Conference Player of the Year, but I, I just they're going to you know a team like William Mary is certainly going to beat them up. There's some bad matchups for them. I don't mm-hmm. defend that great. They're they're elite talent, but I, I just don't know if they have it. Hofstra's the other one. They're just they're so shallow. Um, yeah. It's Bowie and Pemberton and Prey. Um, so, yeah, they're both kind of similar teams in some ways, and 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 I don't love that style. Having said that, they're gonna they'll they'll win double digit games and they'll be there. I mean, certainly. Do you think? What do you think is the best win this conference has had? Do you think it's Hofstra at UCLA? Yeah, that's a terrible question. Uh, I know. <laughs> and I, it's a great question, but it's a terrible one to have to answer right now. I know. Um, that's tough to go out there to UCLA. Actually, Drexel did that a few years ago. I was, I mean, it's a tough place to play. Northeastern against Harvard kind of got my eyebrows yeah, it's, going. But it's slim pickings. If you're the CAA, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit, like if you're the CAA and your best win is against Harvard, no disrespect to our good friends <laughs> right. in the Ivies, but it's not a great look. Um, no, it is not. Yeah. No, it is I, not. I it's, it's, it's been a rough out of conference for this league. Going through my list... So I also have Delaware, Charleston, Hofstra, William & Mary, Northeastern, Towson. I think is the clear top six. No disrespect to Drexel, but I think every team has kind of their bruises on, on the season so far. Delaware, I know, is getting like the outside fans 
perspective, like maybe number one team. I know you are probably cool on them as I am. Ten and three record, but they lose at GW, who's going to be one of the worst teams in the A10, and just recently lost at LIU. Not a a good loss either. Charleston and and Hofstra and teams like that. Yeah, they won the games they were supposed to win. Charleston had a bit of an upset statistically over Providence, but no no marquee wins. No bad losses for Charleston, but is that enough to make them like the number one team right now? I don't know. So that that's the question for me. And I, I agree with what you said about uh Northeastern and, and William and Mary. Obviously some talent there, individual talent in terms of Roland and, and Knight. Those guys have been kind of what I expected, but uh some some lumps on their schedule as well. William and Mary just lost their last two at St. Joe's and uh St. Francis. I think they're falling a bit. You're you wonder if they're they're kind of getting known what they do and obviously new coach yeah. do everything that can be hard to adjust to but there's tape now yeah right? for sure it's a good point what about uh biggest surprise team i, I might have just uh tipped my hand with with who i just mentioned but do you have one i, I i'm gonna stick with Towson, i guess i mean i have to um yeah i mean i think they're a top two team right now and i'll think like i say i think everybody's kind of sleeping on them you know pat scary's been waiting a long time for me to say that probably because i think i really am down on them every <laughs> single year and they usually make, make make me look bad so they'll probably fall on their face this year after me calling it but uh yeah i think people look at them look at their record look at their wins and aren't impressed and i look at their losses and i kind of am impressed i'm worried this is always the the knock on towson but it's still true i don't know if they can score enough you know like all, even in games they win they're scoring in like the 60s the 50s and 60s they have a brand of basketball that they play really well, and they definitely have experience on their side. Everybody came back from last year, so I don't I don't think it's a, a bad pick. For me, I'm, I'm going William & Mary. I picked them to be bottom two in the CAA. Um, I knew Knight was good, but I thought he was going to be putting up empty stats, and uh, they've been good. I, I think they're going to be a tough out in conference play. Um, Van Vliet's been good. Their guards have been good enough. I questioned the coaching decision or the coaching hire, just like everybody else, just about. But uh, William & Mary, I think, is going to be right in, in the mix, you know, in a very convoluted league. So they're, they're my surprise team. Yeah, well, no, I think – I apologize. If if I was looking, thinking before the season started, certainly William & Mary's a shocker. Uh, I don't think anybody – you're 100% right about that. Um, the Dane Fisher hire is interesting. You know, he's, he's not necessarily a known commodity coming in there. Um, but I'm okay with – Hiring interesting. I think obviously the dismissal of Shaver was the more surprising thing to me because I think that they really are making a run at their first CA title this year. Uh, oh, for sure. If Tony had stuck around. But yeah, they've certainly been much more effective, much, much more effective than I or anybody I've spoken to have thought they would be. And the Van Fleet transfer yeah. was just huge for them. On the other side of the coin, biggest disappointment. I'm not allowed to say Drexel, right? Um, <laughs> well, you already put the reverse jinx on Charleston by naming them your favorite. I, I know the game you're playing. You want you want us to come. It's bulletin board material, and we're going to get our asses kicked when we come in on Saturday. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, no, I, I think – I don't know that the the, bad, the teams that are bad, we kind of expected to be bad, right? I mean, uh, I think Wilmington was picked a little bit higher than, than they played, but I don't know. I, I – kind of saw it coming um i'm not a big mcgrath fan they're, they're my pick and um yeah i wasn't <laughs> well we, you were we were talking about questionable coaching hires with william and mary but mcgrath yeah i five straight losses by the seahawks i think they only have two division one wins kai taves is out the door as of this week i thought they'd 
at most be competitive and be in kind of that middle tier, but it looks like it's going to be Elon and, and UNCW in the bottom, which is a shame because that is kind of one of the one of the good programs in the CAA. Definitely a team, a, a school that prioritizes basketball and had some recent success. So kind of sucks for them, but uh, I still think they're a disappointment, even with the low expectations. Yeah, I have a love hate relationship with the Dub. Uh, you know, they're they're a tough enemy, they're a tough adversary, and they've they've got great tradition in this league. Um, and I don't think that there's really an administration uh, that has simultaneously over the years done more with less and done less than more, depending on what year you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're I think one of the more budgeted teams in the league, and and they're still competitive, and like I say, still have a history in this league, which really over time makes you very impressed with them. Charleston came into the league without a rival and I think we've tried to make it UNC Wilmington but we've never had like a sustained stretch of both teams being good because like after Keats left it's kind of when we peaked and, and won a championship and now they're kind of in the gutter we were in the gutter to, to start our CAA campaign so I'm I'm all for a UNCW rivalry and we kind of need them to be more competitive for that to happen yeah I say it may take a couple years it, yeah it, things do not look good right now for them all right, what about uh, some of the players that have stood out to you? Well, I mean, it starts with, with Roland, right? I mean, at Northeastern. He's been great. He's, uh, he's been pretty fantastic. Um, and I think he's gotten some national pub, and it's deserved. He's, he's leading, you know, uh, he's at least nationally ranked in almost every category you find on Ken Palm there. And uh, just looks like uh, a really, really nice player. I go from there to the two, the Twin Towers there at, at William & Mary. They've played off each other so incredibly well and both shown themselves so skilled that they're Kind of a matchup nightmare, especially in this league where there's a dearth of big men. Yep. And I think you easily go on Charleston and, and everybody's going to talk Riller. But I'll leave that one to you. Yeah. Well, he, he's been as expected. Um, I think he's struggling a little bit being the f- focal point of the offense and having every defense just blanket him. But his assist numbers are up and, and I think he's, he's showing some skill there. Not having quite as gaudy of, of scoring stats but uh yeah i think he's been as advertised I'll, I'll second you on Roland though i will sort of call my shot i did think he should have been on the preseason first team i think he was left off for just maybe matt lewis or somebody like that i knew he was going to have a big season just based on his play last year um but he's been great i mean even better than than anybody thought of and I'm gonna I'm gonna twist the knife a little bit more by going with another Delaware uh, shout out. I'm gonna go Nate Darling. Uh, so UAB transfer. He looks like almost a lock to be on the all first team uh, CAA come end of the season. He's been really really good for Delaware. Great shooter, uh, great offensive player, uh, and welcome addition to the league after some guys have left it. I'm gonna take this time to not welcome him, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he's been effective. He's been very effective for Delaware and. Uh... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go too far into this because there's a whole other tangent on the NCAA right now. But obviously, in his case, he did sit the year, I believe. Uh, no, uh, yeah, he did sit the year last year, so he will graduate this year in all likelihood. And that opens the door on all kinds of That's questions. That's true. That's uh, true. Come the end of the season. The biggest predictor on future transfers is if they transferred already. So That's, that's a good uh, point. He's going to get exposure. He's going to get... Uh, he's going to get exposure. It will be deserved. Uh, it's just one of those things that, as somebody who's been uh, beaten by the transfer, for sure, that a couple times already. It's it's scary for me to watch almost from a distance. Although, if he wants to leave Delaware, that'd be fine. By <laughs> right, I'm I'm sure I'm sure it'd be him and the uh, and and Painter. If if they could just head out the door, I'm sure Drexel fans wouldn't hate it. 
Painter's going to be an interesting addition. Um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, intrigued to see what he does there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's obviously he's got the, the pedigree, but uh, from from Nova, but um, how he fits and transfers, especially midseason, always kind of an interesting dynamic. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the LIU game: nine minutes of a blank score sheet, three fouls. So I, I think he can run the gamut. He could be a all league player. He could be, you know, a bust. Uh, we don't know yet. I think what you said is a is a nice segue to the last topic on sort of CAA in general, player transfers and things like that. Uh, I already mentioned Kai Taves is, is leaving UNCW, not to to transfer schools, but just to get out of the program and, and return to Japan and turn pro. But I know you talk a lot about how the CAA can get back to the level it wants to be at, whether that's a, a multi-bid league or uh, a higher RPI type league. What do you think are the steps that need to be taken for the league to get to that point? Um, and you can take that question whichever direction you want. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can. Um, I think you have to start somewhere, and and that, and that it really you have to make a decision as a league that basketball is your priority and that you are going to hold each other to standards. And you know the commissioner's office is is, is kind of they don't want to be the ones pushing that agenda because they answer to the schools and the schools don't seem to want to push that agenda. Um, so who's going to lead this conference? I, I think that's the biggest question is who are our leaders in this conference? I think you've got a whole other road you can walk down. And does this conference even make sense anymore? And, and the different priorities of conference members between football, between regional, you know, kind of differences um, and everything else. Do you, concentrations on Olympic sports? Drexel, whether I like it or not, really pushes the Olympic sports pretty hard. Um, so how do you prioritize? And, and if we're willing to say this is a basketball conference, and I think most of the fans and also anybody who explains, who understands money can tell you this should be a basketball conference, then you need to start talking about, well, we need to go anything from scheduling standards to investment standards. You know, how much are we going to invest in the program? Are we going to have teams buy games? Um, how many non-D1s can you play? There's, there's a whole lot of questions out there, um, and nobody seems to want to answer them. This is a pass the buck league right now, which is you talk to most administrations and they pass the buck. You talk to league office and they pass the buck. Um, so you really, you just, I think the place to start is, is simply demanding leadership. And league level, we don't have that. At a, at a school level, it feels like depending on the school, it can be hard to find. I, it's one of the reasons why I really appreciate appreciated when you're, uh, when the Charleston Athletic Director came on your podcast there. Um, he stepped up and, and, you know, he had a, a frank conversation. And whether you agreed or not disagreed with it, he went out there and he took took a lead role. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few ADs like that around the league. Um, more often we don't. And you need to get everybody on the same page. And you need, I think, if it's not going to be a school, you need the commissioner's office to clearly state that importance. And, and I just don't hear that um, kind of anywhere. So I know that's a really vague explanation. And I know that that's a frustrating one because it doesn't give you a, a goal you have to hit. But I mean, I, I you talk about UNCW's schedule and I think three non D ones, that's um, that's a problem. Uh, that's, that's not a Division One basketball schedule anymore at that point. Yeah. So I, I think we can talk transfers. You could talk finances. You know, the VCU money's out. There's no extra NCAA tournament money. The schools are not getting a distribution from the league. That's a big deal. Um, it also means the league has a harder time giving incentives and or holding teams accountable um, for what they do. So I get that Joey's in, in a bit of a bad spot, the commissioner there. Uh, 
and I, I don't know him on a first name basis. Let me just <laughs> put that out there. But you know, the uh, the, uh, the commissioner's office is in a tough spot when you don't have kind of the financials to demand your position. Um, but I, I think they need to find other ways to to take a leadership role and getting things moving in the right direction. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think it all starts with setting those priorities because then what follows is you can incentivize certain benchmarks or you can punish for certain uh, violations of, of league standards. If basketball is not the priority for, for all schools that needs to be communicated up and down the, the chain of command, whoever it may be, um, because I know a school like Charleston definitely prioritizes men's basketball. And uh, I think most successful mid-major leagues probably do as well. So yeah, from like a viability standpoint, you have schools like Delaware and, and JMU that are football schools and, you know, they seem to have the same amount of pull as, as any other school. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with all those points. Um, hopefully that leadership and, and those priorities flesh themselves out more and more uh, as, as Joey D kind of leans into his role and, and gets used to that. But um, yeah, I guess we'll just uh, hope for the best on, on that part. And and I could easily go on the five minute flow sports tangent. I'll, I'll leave that. We did have a piece on the site last week. Yeah, we, weeks ago. I think we've covered that ground. Yeah. Yep. We, we don't have to go there. We've yeah. uh, anybody just search flow sports on Twitter and I'm sure they will uh, find our, our dialogues on that. Well, there is a game. Uh, coming up, per tradition, the CAA is opening with their four games and eight days jamboree. I don't know if it has an official title, but uh, Drexel and Charleston are matching up on Saturday. I think everybody's in action on Saturday. Um, so let's talk about that game. I mean, you would be the guy to ask, what's what's the scouting report on Drexel? And this is where this gets interesting. It's, it's not great for Charleston. It, I think if you're playing Drexel right now, you want to speed them up. You want to turn them over. And that's where we've seen schools be successful. Turnovers have been the name of the game. The, I mean, you'll hear me talk about it more than a bakery up here. Yeah. Um, and not just because it's been such an issue for this team, but because of how surprising that is. Uh, it's a team that was, I want to say, 50, 58th in the country as far as turnover percentage last year. Um, 100th the year before that. So they've been pretty good under Spiker. Um, so to have kind of a disastrous first half, um, is is surprising at the very least. So so turnovers are are an issue, and what what would you say are the are the team's strengths right now? Yeah, they're running great offense. Um, they have four guys who are shooting forty percent or more from three, um, which is pretty outstanding at this level. Hard for me to fathom as a Charleston yeah, fan. Hard, trust me, I, I watched Bruiser Flint for a lot of years here. It's pretty hard for me to fathom as well. Yeah, um, true. And they've got so not only can they be effective from the perimeter, um, and again top. 50-ish, I think, in the country from the perimeter. Uh, but James Butler in the middle is doing a 12-12 and 12 a game, double-double, So, um, which is you know, not fair to expect from him. But what were we expected from him coming into the year? Um, he's, he's held it down in the middle. Uh, he really hasn't had a backup until last week. Tim Perry's been out for, the first, for most of the season thus far. So Tim, Tim Perry's back. Uh, Tim Perry Jr. is back, effective uh, this last tournament in Atlantic City. Uh, gives J JB an effective backup. So now you're seeing some options uh, to go in with inside. If, if Butler's in foul trouble or anything else, he's got get somebody behind him. You've got shooters on the outside. You have Cam Winter running the show. It's really, a, I think the offense is will be the strength of this team uh, when all is said and done. 
Um, the one note I have on the turnovers is that they've uh, three of the teams they played in the, in the out of conference are top twenty in uh, turning people over this year nationally. Okay. Yeah. And I think that one of them, if I pull this up right now, yeah, Stephen F. Austin is actually number one in the country. Uh, and you saw what they did to Duke, obviously. But yeah, Stephen F. Austin's one, South Florida's seven, and Abilene Christian was 19 in the country as far as turning people over. Uh, as far as this Drexel schedule goes, eight of the 11 teams they played in out-of-conference schedule um, were in the top half of the country and turned teams over. You compare that to the CAA, which the only team in the CAA that's in the top half of the country is, uh, and turned people over is Hofstra. So you have a problem uh, with turnovers here that I think Zach Spiker's dealt with in the past and he's been effective dealing with. So you have upside from just the internal um, getting things better, and you also have upside from the schedule being much, much softer in that regard. I mean, really degrees of magnitude softer in that regard going forward. Um, and if you're a Drexel fan and you want to get the positive ideas out there and the positive thoughts going, it's that basically all of their problems have stemmed off of turnovers. Their half-court defense has not been bad. Their offense has looked very good when they've held on to the basketball. So they become, you know, kind of a top 150 team when they're not turning the ball over. Um, and you saw that with the, with the games against uh, Temp, uh, sorry, against Rutgers and South Florida, where they were tied with less than 10 minutes to play in those games um, before they turned it over late and kind of fell apart. And that's partially turnovers, partially youth, whatever the case might be. You know, but those are power conference teams they've played with um, for 30 minutes. So, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of positives where you say, okay, we're getting healthier, um, we're figuring things out, and then the schedule kind of feeds into how we play the rest of the year. And and so I think there's reason to be optimistic as a Dragons fan. It's going to be a reality check for, for all these teams. Uh, those who scheduled up are going to maybe, you know, turn a corner and, and look a lot better. And those who scheduled down, um, when they enter CAA play, they're not going to maybe be as talented as they thought they were. So that's that's the great equalizer right there. Yeah, and you see a, a huge gap in strength of schedule this year. Um, more than, I mean, you always kind of see it, but I think this year really exasperated. With some of the teams at the top really not scheduling that effectively. Um, I mean, I think Northeastern schedule was expected to be harder than it was. Um, some of those types of scenarios happen too, obviously, but you, you are going to see things normalize a little bit come conference play. Well, I think, I think Charleston's going to have to lean on their defense in this game. To, to talk about their strengths, they are really good at having Grant Riller, uh, but they're also a, a pretty good defensive team, and that's always been kind of the calling card of, of Coach Grant. Um, they don't force a lot of turnovers. Um, they try to force teams into taking tough shots, but if if the Dragons are an effective half-court team, like, like you say they are, uh, the Cougars could struggle because they also struggle mightily to shoot the ball accurately um grant riller will do his thing but this team doesn't really have much shooting and doesn't have much consistent scoring outside of him uh that's been their their biggest struggle so far um not a great rebounding team earl grant always wants to rebound really well but um partially because of who they played and, and partially because of of the makeup of this year's team they have not been very good at, at rebounding especially on the defensive end so I think it is going to be a good matchup and it is going to be a good test for both teams. Um, I've Grant Riller has had really good games against the dragons, uh, which is encouraging, but if he's the only one to show up and everybody else is clanking shots, it, it could be a, a tough night. I, I will say the dragons have impressed me, especially last year with 
just their no give up type attitude under Spiker. We saw that in in both games where Drexel went on a, a late run to to tie or, or take a lead. I think the Cougars can put together thirty minutes of of good play, but they'll probably need closer to forty uh, in a game like this. Yeah, it's, 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 it's funny that you say that because one of the things I was really thinking coming in here was that I wouldn't be shocked if, if Drexel held their own for the first 30 minutes and then fell apart late. Um, just again, and I, I go back to youth and experience versus experience. It's really magnified in this game where Drexel's extremely young um, and Charleston isn't. Um, but yeah, so if both of us think, maybe we're just in for a bad last 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's that's an interesting thing. I think, you know, it's it's, I don't, I haven't looked to see if there's a spread yet, but I'd imagine it'd be a point or two for Charleston. Um, it, you know, yeah. it's, it's made out to be a close game. You know, as as a Drexel fan, not to jump ahead too much, but I'll tell you, uh, as somebody who covers the program anyway a little bit, uh, I think that this is a game I'd be worried about if I'm a Charleston fan. I think it's first game after Christmas on the road. You can look ahead to Delaware a little bit, given where people are perceiving them. Drexel's kind of an easy team to overlook right now. Um, and like I say, mm-hmm. it, this the way Charleston plays feeds into Drexel's strengths a little bit. We've seen that a little bit over the years. But Charleston has, quite frankly, for the last few years, had a better team than the Dragons. Struggle with them, but they still struggle with them. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's a it's as good a spot for the Drexel to surprise somebody as they're going to get. Having said that, I do think Charleston's the better team. So take that for what you will. Um, I, you know, any given Sunday, I think I'd rather have I'd rather have the better team on my on my side than the team that I thought would be likely to surprise. Before we get to, to final predictions, uh, you mentioned Cameron Winter a little bit, and I think with with Harper and uh, Demir uh, departed from from those teams last year, I think most Charleston fans are pretty familiar with Cameron Winter, CAA Rookie of the Year last year. Um, but for fans who who haven't caught many Drexel games up to this point, what's what's he been like? Um, kind of the the star of the team now. Yeah, Cam's a special kid, and I think um, those close to the program kind of understood that. Numbers-wise, he might take a step backward this year um, as he becomes a focus, kind of similar to what you were talking about with Roller. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that that's really happened in all that magnitude. I'm looking at Cam being 24th in the country in assist rate right now. Um, I love. I wish he would take a few more shots, um, and I think we've seen a more aggressive version of him in the last uh, couple of weeks, which is uh, exciting to watch because uh, he is a kid who, who really um, – he likes to consider himself, I think, or at least we hear about him as a pass first point guard, but he, he can score it. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. Um, I think double digits in four of the last five, five, of the last six, maybe, uh, including 31 against Princeton, which uh, was a pretty good, pretty good performance from him. Uh, but even in that game where he scored 31, he had five assists. So yeah, you're seeing him, his ability, they love run to pick and roll with, with Butler, um, his ability, uh, they run a lot of cross court passes, um, that, that, that kind of work off of his vision. So he's, he's just fun to watch. He really is. He's a, he's a star in the making. Uh, it's a treat to have seen him last year. And, and now that he's got some shooters around him this year, um, I really expect his numbers to just keep going up. Um, like I say, the assist numbers already are, and they probably owe him a few assists as teammates do last few games on some bunnies, but uh, that they haven't finished. Um, but yeah, he, he gives, he creates some really good shots for his teammates. And that's why this team shooting percentage is really as high as it is. It's going to be interesting to see who matches up with him from Charleston. Um, Charleston's best defenders are probably either Zepp Jasper or Brevin Galloway. Brevin Galloway had five steals in our last game and has been the the one guy generating turnovers on the team. 
Uh, and Zepp Jasper is just a kind of a relentless, undersized point guard defender. Um, but seeing Winter and Riller go against each other should be fun. I'm worried about the Butler matchup because Charleston is thin inside. Um, so if James Butler is just like getting putbacks and, uh, you know, doing what he wants down low, that that could spell trouble. But um, I think Charleston might have the advantage in, in depth and, um, you know, potential talent um, if if everybody shows up and, and the team gets that that shooting that they need and that they've been wanting with uh they've played some tough defensive teams so that's been kind of the the opt-out that they have to this point is that you know maybe the shooting hasn't shown up as it has in practice because of who they played um but now we'll get to see if, if that's really the case so um i think it is gonna be a good game i mean do you want to make a, a final score prediction yeah um no no i don't <laughs> <laughs> No, I yeah, I'll uh, I'll go out on a limb here and I'll I'll say Drexel hold surf uh go seventy two sixty nine. That's a that's a I I think you're in the right range in terms of final score. I'll go uh I'll go Charleston seventy one sixty seven or something like that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna be relatively low scoring at least by CAA standards. So now we know it's gonna be a blowout. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's what has to happen. Yep. That's what happens to happen. But uh, no, it's, it's, it should be a good one. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I think this is one of the better games on the slate, certainly tomorrow and, and actually maybe on the whole season. For sure. Well, I'm excited to get up there. I haven't been to the DAC. I'm excited to see a game there. Excited that it's a, a little doubleheader with Delaware during during break here. Uh, it might be to the Cougars' advantage to, to not have many students uh, in the crowd for their first couple of CAA games. But um, yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I will shout out, always a dragon great site uh, that you run and uh, i know you're gonna have some previews and some other stuff up but uh thanks for making time to come on the holy city hoops podcast no always fun to talk basketball always fun to to not be the only crazy person obsessed with uh ca hoops and a, a mid-major basketball team that's really what i was trying to say yeah absolutely <laughs> all right thanks dan hey have a good night